Morning, Father, on this Father's Day, it's so great to have a heavenly Father. Good morning, Jesus. It's so great in a scary world to have a big brother to go before us and to protect us. Holy Spirit, we're so glad that you live in us and assure us that we have a Father who loves us and a big brother to protect us. We thank you for the amazing plan of marriage and children and fatherhood and we thank you for the many, many dads here who are working hard to love their wives and to, to raise their children. Lord, may they feel appreciated and encouraged and strengthened. And, and we know a day filled with so much joy for many is so hard for others, for those that have lost their fathers or fathers who've lost their, their children or men who've not been able to get married or to have children. May your grace abound for the brokenhearted this day. We're so thankful in a confused world. We have your word and we pray as we open it up today that uh, you would forgive the one who speaks and you would help us to see Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, my dad was not Jesus. But uh, I, I loved my dad, and, and I miss my dad. And my dad had some loves that he passed on to me. My dad loved sports. Uh, he didn't pass on any handiness to me, but he passed on a love of sports that I think I've passed on to my kids as well. And, and my dad loved work. My dad never missed a day of work in his whole life. He never took a sick day in his whole life. He never missed a day of work. Is that a crazy? My dad never said an unkind word about my mom. That's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, that growing up with my mom and dad, I never once heard my dad say an unkind thing about my mom, and I said, man, I want to be like that, and I've tried to do the same. And, and my dad loved Jesus, and um, that's what matters most. In the last 26 years, we were able to do life together in the same church. And I was with my dad when he died and went to be with Jesus. And I tell you, if you're not a Christian, you want to be because at moments like that, you know what we got to say to each other at the end? See you later. And do you realize how different see you later is than goodbye? Because Jesus' tomb is empty, I know that my dad and I, our best days together, even on earth, are in the future and not in the past. Man, I am so thankful to be a Christian. Um, and uh, today's message is, is for dads here. Um, today's message is for men. It, it's really for all of us because I want to introduce you to one of my heroes, and, and it's the Apostle Paul. And I want you to know that Paul is my hero. I only have one Savior. His name is Jesus. But I have many heroes, and heroes inspire us. They inspire us, and, and we need inspiration, don't we? People we can look at and kind of model our lives after. That's what Paul is. And, and today's message is called Strength and Weakness, Strength and Weakness. And here's what we're going to focus in on, what Jesus said to Paul. Here's the point of today's message. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in your weakness. That's where we're going. Matter of fact, will you read this with me? Will you read it with me? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. 
Maybe you're here today and you feel overwhelmed by things. You're in the right place. Because we're going to learn that Jesus will say to you, my grace is perfected. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weaknesses. That if you have weaknesses, Jesus will supply the power. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to focus on 7 through 10, but we want a running head start. And to set it up for you a little bit, I want you to know the Apostle Paul was never really accepted as an apostle. He never was accepted, so he often is defending himself. And the reason he really wasn't accepted is he was late to the party. Wasn't he? He was late to the party. The other apostles, they walked with Jesus and they talked with Jesus for three and a half years, but Paul was late to the party, and so he wasn't quite accepted. And if you've never felt quite accepted, you, you can identify with Paul. And not only that, but he had also been a persecutor of the church, a persecutor of the church. And so in many churches and places, they really never forgot his past. And um, so Paul spends a lot of time defending how he's an apostle. Matter of fact, in chapter 11, in chapter 11, he's talking about how he, like the other apostles, has suffered much for his faith. And he's continuing on the theme of defending being an apostle. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows such a man was caught up into the third heaven. So what Paul's going to describe is so amazing, he speaks of himself in the third person. He says this event happened 14 years ago. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians in about 55 AD, so what he's describing took place in about 41 AD, and he says this guy was caught up, and he wasn't quite sure whether it happened bodily or whether it was a, uh, a vision, and it says he was caught up into the third heaven, <laughs> and you might say, well, what's that? Well, the third heaven is where God dwells. The third heaven is where God dwells. In the Bible, the atmosphere that we live, the, the atmosphere would be the first heaven, and the stars, the stars in the sky would be the second heaven. And what we think of as heaven where God dwells, that would be the third heaven. So Paul writes about being caught up into the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or, or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into, caught up where? into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Paul says, man, I was caught up into paradise and heard things that you can't even describe. Paradise is where God dwells. You remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross next to him, right? He said what? He said, today you will be with me where? In paradise. Hey, it's Father's Day. You know where my dad is? My dad is in paradise. Isn't that great? He was caught up, and, and what Paul heard, things that were inexpressible, my dad gets to hear and see, and we will too one day. Uh, on behalf of such a man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except in regard to my weaknesses. Starting to hear about weaknesses, right? For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I am speaking the truth 
But I refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, the things I've seen and heard, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. You've probably heard that term before. It comes right out of the Bible, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. So this week, uh, Andy and I, he's our um, campus pastor at our World Golf Village campus. We get together to talk about the message, and I said, Andy, what is the thorn in the flesh? And he said he believed it was beautifully left out of the Scriptures that it was beautifully left out, and he said what he meant by that was no matter what our thorn is in the flesh, since we don't know Paul's, we kind of imagine that he struggled with the same thing that we do. What was his thorn in the flesh? Many people think it was an illness that he had trouble seeing, or perhaps an epilepsy, or, or maybe it was uh, <clears throat> difficult people, maybe someone who followed him around and, and caused a riot wherever he went, and... Um, I don't know, but I, I know this, it wasn't his mother-in-law. <laughs> you know how I know it wasn't his mother-in-law? You know, right? But he wasn't married, right? <laughs> oh, a thorn in the flesh. Could it have been a person? We often talk about a person that they're a pain in the... We're in church, right? They're a pain in the, uh, the neck, right? The neck, okay? So, so... Where did this thorn come from, and what was the purpose of the thorn? Well, the first thing we might say was the thorn came from Satan, right? Because it says a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. And what was Satan's purpose was what to, to torment him, right? To make his life miserable. But there's more than that. You see, Satan is not God's equal, and Satan can only do what God allows him to do. So those Satan intended to torment him, God used this what? To keep me from exalting myself. God allowed this uh, thorn in his flesh to humble Paul, to keep him from exalting himself, and to make himself more Christ-dependent. So notice how Paul responded to this. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Perhaps the three times is modeled after Jesus uh, in Gethsemane, praying three times about the cup being delivered from him. Um, so he prayed three times, and here's the answer he got. And he, Jesus, has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Have you ever heard someone say that, you know, if you keep asking and you have faith, you'll always get what you want? Listen, Paul loved Jesus, and, and, and Paul prayed in, in, uh, in, in faith and in, in believing, and yet Jesus said no. And, and then he said this to him, and he says this to you and me. My grace is sufficient for you for power. And other translations say, for my, for my power is perfected in weakness, your weakness. So how did Paul then respond to, to an answer to prayer that was no? Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses. He knew that God had a purpose in this, right? So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. Do you see what was in Paul's life? We often ask each other, how's everything? Everything's wonderful. Do you notice what Paul says? I'm well content with weaknesses 
with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul believed that his weaknesses gave the opportunity for the power of Christ to become visible to other people. So, so let's take the point of today's message. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. And, and let's begin to unpack it a little by little, okay? Let's start off with my grace. You go home today, you're talking to someone, you mention grace, and they ask you, what is grace? How would you define grace for them? How would you do that? Now, people often tell me, Smiley, it's, it's undeserved favor. And I want you to know that's a pretty good answer, but it, but it goes way beyond undeserved. It's ill-deserved favor. You see, undeserved means you didn't deserve it. <laughs> ill-deserved means, man, you... Uh, Here's what ill-deserved means. The Apostle Paul hated Jesus. The Apostle Paul persecuted Christians and put them to death. It went way beyond undeserved. It was ill-deserved. But even though Paul hated Jesus, Jesus saved him. And that grace changed Paul's life. Paul would write, but God, so different from people, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While Paul was living in rebellion against God, God Christ died for him. That's grace. And listen, that changed Paul's life. Do, do you know grace? When you hear that verse and realize, while we were living in rebellion against God, Christ died for us, does that just blow you away? My grace, ill-deserved favor, way beyond undeserved, ill-deserved favor, my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> How much grace does Jesus have? How much? It's what? It's, are you guys there? It's what? It's sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Now, what that means, I know I've shared this story many times, but it's such a good story. It's uh, a man went to a Rolls Royce dealership and, and he looked at a model car and, and he asked them, How much horsepower does that car have? And the salesman says, No one's never asked, uh, has ever asked. I don't know, but I'll find out. And this was long before the internet, so he had to write a letter back to England wrote a letter, remember letters, stamp and all that, uh, sent a letter back to England to the headquarters of Rolls-Royce. How much horsepower does this have? And, and, and a letter came back in a week or two and it had one word on it. One word in bold print, sufficient. Because Rolls-Royce, they were a bit insulted that you wondered how much horsepower a Rolls-Royce had. It was sufficient. The grace of Jesus was sufficient to turn a persecutor into an apostle. His grace is sufficient for you. His for me, his grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. Doesn't that make you want to say hallelujah? All the things I've done wrong, his grace is sufficient. 
My grace is sufficient for you for power. I love that word in, in Greek. It's dunamis from which we get the word dynamite. So what's the power? What's the power he's talking about for, uh, for my power? And it certainly could be the Holy Spirit given to us, power. But I really believe what he's talking about is the power of the gospel. He's talking about the love of Jesus Christ because the most powerful force in the world is love. And when people experience the love of Jesus Christ, that love conquers everything and changes everything. That's why Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. Is that what controls you? When you wake up in the morning, is the thing that overwhelms you more than anything in the world is Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. The love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all. Why? Why did he die for all? So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Don't we see that in Paul? Don't we? He's on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians and put them to death. And then he meets Jesus. And what happens from that moment on? What? He no longer lives for himself, right? But he lives who? For the one who loved him. For the one who died for him. Is that your story? Is it? That one day you met Jesus. The one who died for you. And from that moment on, life began to change because no longer did you live for yourself, but for him who died and rose again on your behalf. Oh, my grace is sufficient for you for power. My love that overwhelms people is perfected. I love that word too. You know, is made perfect, is brought to completion. The word there, teleo in Greek, is uh, the same word that Jesus used on the cross. Remember when Jesus was on the cross? Remember one of his words from the cross? He said, it's finished. The word he used to telestai was a form of teleo. He said, listen, it's completed. I've done it all. And, and so <clears throat> when Christ's love overwhelms thy heart, it begins to change us. We're made like him in weaknesses. And in our weaknesses, our weaknesses have that opportunity to show people the power of Christ, his love overwhelming us. Listen, at Good News, we want to make disciples. And, and I want you to know Paul's a hero of mine because he was a disciple. And we've asked the question, what is a disciple? And we've answered the question, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And if you look at Paul's life, he followed Jesus because he'd been captured by the love of Christ. And we've said that, an, that a, a follower, a disciple has three great loves. They love Jesus, and they love one another, and they love the lost. And don't we see that in Paul? Oh, Paul loved Jesus. Do you? Remember what Jesus said our lives would be like if we loved him? Remember Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you'll study the life of Paul, man, he was flawed, but he loved Jesus and he wanted to obey him. Do you love Jesus? Is that the deep desire of your heart to obey him? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
Oh, you know what? Paul loved one another. He loved the church. Paul gave his life to plant churches. He loved the church. Do you? Right here in 2 Corinthians 12, notice what he would write. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. He says, I love the church of Jesus Christ so much, I gladly give my life for his church, right? I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Man, if I love you more than the other apostles, are you going to hold that against me? Do you love one another? Do you love his church? Because these are Jesus' brothers and sisters, do you? And no, if you look at Paul's life, man, he loved the lost. You know why he traveled so much? You know why he was beaten so much and imprisoned so much? Because Paul believed that lost people were lost and they needed someone who had the courage to speak the truth. And no, Paul did. And Paul would write what in 1 Corinthians 9? For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. Paul says, I don't need the approval of men. And because of that, I'm free. I'm free to share the gospel with them and plead with them to come to faith in Christ. In the same chapter, verse 22, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. Oh, man. You spend time with Paul, you know what it was? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to love lost people and bring them to Jesus, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. And you know why he was like that, right? Because he knew Jesus. And what was Jesus' motto? What? Whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes for us. Is that us? Is that us? Oh, Jesus says to us today, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. And if we take those three loves and we put them all together in someone, what does it look like? Here's what it looks like. Look at this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. If you're a Christian, we have a treasure, and the treasure is Jesus. And this treasure lives in earthen vessels. We are weak people. We are flawed people. But we have a treasure we cannot keep to ourselves. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Our weaknesses show people it's God's power. It's God's love at work in us. Listen to this. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. You know, as a Christian, we, when people ask me, something, how's everything? They expect me to say, wonderful. But what did Paul say? We live in a broken world. What did he say? He said, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Jesus is with us in the midst of it all, right? Perplexed, but not despairing. You ever look around our world? 
Isn't it perplexing, the virus and racial tension and all these things? Are you not perplexed? Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Speak up about Jesus and see what will happen, right? But Jesus is with us, isn't he? Struck down, but not destroyed. Always a caring about in the body, the dying of Jesus. Why? Why is it so hard? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body, so that out of our weakness the power of Christ might shine. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Life is hard, but we know through all these difficulties, listen, through our weaknesses, the power of Christ, the love of Christ becomes visible to other people. So here's what I want you to remember this week. I want you to remember Jesus says to us, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. And now I want to turn from what I want you to know to what I want you to do and, and here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to boast about my weakness, to boast about my weaknesses, boast about my, and I'm not talking about my weaknesses, <laughs> though there are plenty to boast of. I'm talking about you. And the reason it's in the first person singular is that's exactly what the Bible says. And when our action step comes right from the Bible, we might think, well, it's a good action step, Right? So remember, remember how Jesus, or how Paul prayed three times, his thorn in the flesh would be taken away. And remember what Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for power. My power is perfected in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather, what? Boast about my weaknesses. One of the reasons the Apostle Paul is my hero is Paul boasted about his weaknesses, and that's what I want you to do this week. And, and you say, well, what does that look like? Well, well, let me help you understand what that looks like. We begin the Christian life by boasting about my weaknesses. How do we start the Christian life? The only way to start the Christian life is to boast about my weakness. You ever notice most religious people, they boast about what? Their strength about how good they are. But a Christian is someone who boasts about their weakness, aren't they? I mean, do you realize you can't be too bad to be a Christian, but you can be too good? Did you know that? And did you know you cannot be too weak to become a Christian, but you can be too strong? And, and, and you say, what? Listen to what Jesus said. He said, in Luke 19:10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The strong person says, I'm not lost. I'm not a sinner. I don't need a savior. I can save myself. The weak person says, What? I am lost. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Which one are you? Are you the weak man or the strong man? Which? We love to say it uh, 
Thank good news that becoming a Christian really is as simple as ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. And isn't the first step in becoming a Christian, isn't it to boast about our weakness, isn't it? The first step in becoming a Christian is to admit my sin. Jesus, you're right. I'm a sinner. I'm lost and I'm helpless. And if you've never done that, won't you do that even now? Do you know there's nothing in the Bible that says saying a prayer? There's nothing in the Bible that says walking down an aisle. <laughs> but it does say we need to admit our sins, won't you? Won't you? If you've never had Jesus, you're right. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm sorry, won't you? You see, we admit the bad news of the gospel is true about us. To become a Christian, the next step is to believe the good news of the Bible. The good news <clears throat> is that the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost, that God the Son put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life, climbed on the cross, took my sins upon himself and our sins and died in their place. Christ died for our sins, and on the cross, he cried out, It is finished, paid in full. And then he rose on the third day to prove it. Rising from the dead, Jesus proves he had conquered sin and death for us. So the second step in becoming a Christian is to believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you do that if you never have, won't you? And then the C is to commit. To commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord is to boast about my weakness. To commit to Christ as Savior is to say, Jesus, you alone can save me. Forgive me. Give me eternal life. I can't save myself. Won't you do that? Won't you boast about your weakness? Listen, to, to receive, to commit to Jesus as Lord is to boast about my weakness. Jesus, I've been running my life and I've done a really lousy job. And I want you to take over. From this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you. And listen, if you've never done that, won't you? And listen, if for the first time, if you admitted the bad news and, and believed the good news and, and, and committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord, won't you let us know? Won't you just text ABC? Man, I did admit, believe, commit. Won't you text it to this number and say, hey, hey, Smiley, today I, I, I boasted about my weakness and I put my faith in Christ. We'd love to celebrate with you. Listen, to boast about my weaknesses is how I begin the Christian life. It's how I grow in Christ. It's how I grow in Christ, isn't it? I mean, once we believe in Jesus, what does he say to us? He says what? Follow me. And every time we follow Jesus, we boast about our weaknesses. And you say, what? Listen, when Jesus says, follow me, and we say, no, what are we saying? We're strong. I know how to run my life better than you. No. But every time we say yes to Jesus, <laughs> what are we saying? You're wise, I'm not. <laughs> you can run my life better than I can. Aren't we boasting about our weakness when we let Jesus lead and we follow, aren't we? Oh, as a pastor, do you know how often people tell me, Smiley, I don't need a church. What are they saying? What are they boasting about? What? Their strength. Let me tell you something about me. I'll boast about my weakness. I need a church. H have you noticed that our culture is increasingly hostile to the Christian faith? Did you know that? I need a church. 
where I can gather with others and hear God's word preached because it's totally different than our culture. And I need the encouragement of God's people, don't you? You see, when we come to gather and worship a small group, we're not boasting about our strength. We're boasting about our weakness. We need each other. Do you know every morning I get up and have breakfast with Jesus? And most of you, when you hear that, say, Oh, Smiley, you're such a good person. No, no, no. The reason I have breakfast with Jesus every morning is because I'm not a good person. It's because I'm weak. Jesus calls me to love my enemies. And can, can we talk? I, I struggle to love the people I love. Do you know I struggle to love my wife? And Jesus calls me to love my <laughs> enemies? That's why I get up every morning and spend time with Jesus because I need Jesus to love my wife and to love my neighbor and to love my enemies, don't you? Do you realize every morning you get up and you run off to school or you run off to work without first spending time with Jesus? You're boasting about your strength, aren't you? You know what you're saying? I've got this. I've got this. I don't need any help. Let me tell you, I need Jesus. Don't you? Oh, how do I overcome my failures? Do you know that during the day I do pretty well, but every night... When I lay my head to bed at night, I am overwhelmed by my failures uh, as a husband and as a father and a pastor. Anybody else in here ever fail? Does it, does it ever overwhelm you? And when I'm lying in bed and I'm overwhelmed with my failures, do you think I boast about my strength, do you? Do you think I tell Jesus what a marvelous husband and father and pastor I am? you think that's what I do in bed? You know what I do? I boast about my weaknesses. I confess my sins to the Lord and say, I am such a failure as a husband and father and pastor. And you know what Jesus says? You do know what he says, right? It's so good. He says what? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in your weaknesses. Oh, I love grace, don't you? It's what enables me to sleep at night, you know? And let me ask you another thing. How do we overcome? How do we overcome sin and temptation? Is it by boasting about our strength? No, it's boasting about our weakness, isn't it? You know what the Bible says? It says to flee immorality. Did you know that? It's saying you're not very strong, so run away from it. But, but I talk to people and they say, Smiley, it'll never happen to me. Oh, man. That's really scary, isn't it? When a guest signs, puts on the guest card they'd like to have lunch, and it's a female guest, I'll call them up and I'll say, hey, I'd love to have lunch with you, but when I, I meet with a lady, I, I like to have a third person there. You can bring a friend or I, I'll bring a, one of our female staff members, and they almost always say, what's wrong, Smiley? You don't trust me? And I say, no, 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 it's not you I don't trust. It's me. When I read the Bible... I see men far more godly than I am who wreck their lives. And I realize that if it could happen to them, it could happen to me. Listen, the reason I want someone else there, it's, it's not because I don't trust you. I don't trust me. Listen, I don't trust me. Do you trust yourself? You shouldn't. Same thing with, um, with alcohol. Do you know that alcohol, uh, 
The Bible doesn't say anything about drinking. It doesn't say that's a bad thing. It does say don't get drunk. And sometimes people will say, well, well Smiley, do you drink? And I'll say no. And, but I want you to know it's not for what you think. Um, <clears throat> the reason I don't drink is because I'm weak, not because I'm strong. Do you know what alcohol does? It lowers your inhibitions. Did you know that? And I want you to know I live like this close to a disaster all the time. The things that I think about doing or saying... And have you noticed in our culture, in our culture today, if you say one careless word, you can wreck your whole career, can't you? And I live that close. Listen, the reason I don't drink is not because I'm good, it's because I'm not, and I'm scared to death of what would come out of my mouth if you lowered my inhibitions a little bit. Okay, see, see, that's what it means to boast about my weaknesses. It's how we begin the Christian life. It's how we grow in Christ. It's how we share Christ with others. How do we share Christ with others? We boast about my weaknesses. And you say, what? Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is there is one good person. No, it's not you. It's not me. There's one good person. His name is Jesus. And all the rest of us, all the rest of us, we need Jesus, especially me. Isn't that what our culture desperately needs to hear today, isn't it? We live in a time where people think the world's divided into good people and bad people, and they both yell at each other, right? What do they need? Someone to step in the middle and say, no, there is only one good person. The rest of us, we're all over here. No matter what color we are, no, no matter what our political party, listen, we're all over here and we all share so much in common. You know what all of us share in common? We all need Jesus, right? Oh, man. Oh, that we would have the courage this week to say there's only one good person. The rest of us, we're all flawed, and we all need Jesus, especially me. <laughs> oh, so this week, someone will confess to you their weakness, won't they? Someone will confess to you their struggle, won't they? They'll, they'll tell you, man, I, I, I'm so tired, or I'm so worried about what's happening in our country. And when someone confesses their weakness, when they boast about their weakness to you, boast back, step toward them, and just say what? Me too. And when you've done that, when you say me too, you've made a friend. But then you can just say to them, you know what I do when I'm so overwhelmed with fear? I run to Jesus. And you know what Jesus tells me? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in your weaknesses. Listen, Boasting about our weaknesses opens up opportunities for gospel conversations. Do you want more opportunities to talk about Jesus? Then boast more about your weaknesses and not your strength. Now, I want you to know, often the action steps that we have at Good News, they're often very challenging for me. <laughs> but I want you to know this week's going to be so easy for me. You know what? Because this week I'm going to focus on boasting about my weaknesses. And you know, right? You know, right? There are so many of them. How about you? Will you join me?
Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came to seek and save sinners, that you died and rose so we wouldn't have to be afraid of admitting we're weak because we can know that when we're weak, we're strong in you. Lord, I pray that some of us this week that, that we would begin the Christian life by boasting about our weakness. Lord, I pray that, that others of us this week, we would grow in Christ by boasting about our weaknesses. And oh, Lord, I pray this week that all of us would share Christ with others by boasting about our weaknesses. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.